are Locked On Brewers, your daily Milwaukee Brewers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, welcome back to the Lockdown Brewers, brought to you by the Lockdown Podcast Network, where we talk about your favorite teams every day. I am your host, your first-time host, Vinny Rutino. You can follow me on Twitter, at Vinny Rutino. And also, you can check me out on the pre- and post-game show during the season for Valley Sports Wisconsin. Um, also, make sure that you follow Lockdown Brewers on Twitter and subscribe to the Lockdown Brewers podcast wherever you get your podcast. And thanks for making Lockdown Brewers your first listen every day. We post episodes daily, five days a week, Monday through Friday, and we are free and available on all platforms. So joining me today is the old host, Jake <laughs> Mastriani, former host of the Lockdown Brewers podcast and now the host of Lockdown Braves. And this is my inaugural show. As the host of Lockdown Brewers, I appreciate all the love on Twitter that I was receiving today. Um, had BA tweeted out that I'm a, a media mogul. Well, I don't know if I'm quite there yet, but I'm certainly on my way, I feel like, with all the help that I'm getting from BA and from guys like Jake. And I really do want to just start out top of this show just telling everybody, you know, that has kind of supported me and, and learning how to do this uh, media thing and this podcast thing is it, it's uh, it's a new a new challenge and it's been really fun and exciting. So I'm I'm very excited and happy to host uh, the podcast here and um, you know stick with me. I'm gonna stumble my way through these first few episodes, but I'll figure it out with the help of Jake here and he's he's uh, been great. But um, so let's just get right into it. What we're talking about today is the deals going down around the league. I mean, it's been crazy today, and also we're gonna get into uh, continue our positional review uh, format here. And we're going to talk about the starting pitching for the Brewers, uh, the great starting pitching that it was. So um, first and foremost, the Brewers did make a signing today, a major league signing of a player that everyone kind of had to Google because no one's really heard of this kid. Brett Sullivan signing. Uh, he's a catcher, corner infielder. Um, he's a guy that's never shown up on any, uh, prospect ranking whatsoever. Um, but he is, uh, he's a 23 year old prospect. Um, he's on their 40 man at this point. He can catch, like I said, he can catch, he adds some catching depth. Um, and he can also play the corners. Reminds me of myself, Jake, uh, <laughs> in terms of, the the skill set here a media mogul um, is that what you're saying <laughs> maybe in the future we'll see but uh no i thought that was an interesting sign it's it's obviously depth he's got all three options left he's he's never been on the 40 man obviously i uh, was a it was a, a a guy that probably was sought after by a number of teams i'm just speculating here probably sought after by a number of teams to sign as a minor league free agent brewers ended up nabbing him with a major league deal so um, that brings their 40-man roster up to 38. And at this point, if they do need more room on their 40-man roster, I'm sure uh, he might be an option for them to, to take off. Um, but I, I think that's probably why the, they enticed him to sign here. 
And it seems like we only acquire Tampa Bay Rays at this point. Um, but it seems to do a lot of deals with ex-Tampa Bay Rays or Tampa Bay Rays uh, currently. So, Jake, what do you think of the Brett Sullivan signing? Yeah, it, it is very interesting, you know, on a on a day when mega deals are getting done, the Brewers signed a guy that I had honestly never heard of. Like you said, had to go out in Google once I saw the signing was made. But a very interesting prospect, you know, like you said, I, I think he I was surprised he got a major league deal, but that's probably what it took for the Brewers to get him because there probably were a lot of people, you know, looking to get him on a, a minor league contract. Because of the versatility, it's kind of rare to see somebody that can play, you know, catcher, corner infield, and I think he plays corner outfield as well. So, I mean, that that gives you a lot of versatility. We know how much the Brewers love their versatility. Uh, you know, he is 27 years old, um, so, you know, not not too terribly uh, old, but uh, he's playing in the Dominican Winter League right now, hitting uh, 273, 360 on base, 724 OPS. So, you know, if you wanted to keep track of that now that he's a, a brewer, you can try to find some Dominican League action there. But overall in the minor leagues, I mean, uh, a career 743 OPS, 271 average, 317 on base, 58 home runs and 593 games. I mean, I, it's a, it's a, like I said, it's an interesting move. Um but it's the type of move you kind of see the Brewers make somebody that's versatile, you know, under team control for a while. Uh, he does have those options left, which is uh, pretty, pretty big, obviously, for the Brewers, because I, I kind of doubt he would be uh, on the major league roster right away. But like I said, with that versatility, that's so rare, um, you know, and somebody else that can back up at catcher if needed. I think that's, you know, probably what uh, led the Brewers to wanting to, to sign him. So. Again, not a flashy signing. I, I don't think it's going to have a huge impact on the season, but we'll see how things play out with Brett Sullivan. Yeah, um, and forgive me, I said he was 23. I think he's 27 years old at this point. And, and this is the kind of signing that you do see the Brewers make. And, and it's more like a it's, a it's a good bet is really what it is. And they're using the data analytics. Um, this, this guy doesn't punch out, so he's a guy – that they may see that they can tweak something with the swing and try, try and maybe tap into driving the ball a little bit more. He has the ability to put bat on ball. Um, I guess, I mean, I mean, in 2000, I mean, this year he struck out 15% of the time and that was his career high. And back in 2019, he struck out only 48 times in 403 plate appearances. It's just the skill set. You don't really see that much anymore. doesn't walk a ton either, but, it is a profile that that kind of lends itself to improving. Um, and you do see this. I mean, again, I, I'm not going to I've been accused by Jake too many times of of calling guys, uh, you know, comping guys to, to all stars and MVP type candidates. Justin Turner comes to mind. But this is the kind of profile that those guys come from just in terms of bat to ball. Uh, abilities and uh, you know it seems like a decent enough athlete that he does have the versatility and can kind of move around the field I mean he had 21 stolen bases back in 2019 17 and 2018 so it seems like he can do a little bit I uh, probably has some instincts never seen this guy play but but uh, I, I do think that this is uh, this is an interesting sign and uh, very surprised that it was a major league deal but obviously needed to get to that major level of the contract in order to get the kids signed. Um, so next we're going to just kind of run down all the signings 
of today. I mean, there was a lot of big moves, just like Jake predicted that Monday would be even crazier than Sunday. And, and certainly it was. I mean, the Rangers certainly have made a splash in this free agent market. They have now signed Corey Seager for 10 years and $325 million. Um, so they, with that signing, they're now, they have Seager under contract, Marcus Simeon under contract, and John Gray under contract. It's a total of $556 million in three players. Obviously, that's spread out over a long period of time, but that is a lot of coin going to three players. But, you know, these are – I don't mind this these moves by the Rangers. I mean, this is a team – obviously, I scouted for the Rangers for a while and, and kind of scouted them during the lean years. And uh, they're on their way with these three players, and they're looking up. Obviously, they got some pitching coming with uh, Cole Wynn and then um, uh, Jack Leiter coming up too. So they just drafted that kid. So – Watch out for the Rangers in years to come. Not a huge John Gray fan personally. Um, you know, he's been dinged a lot, but he uh, he shut the Brewers down earlier this year. I mean, he does have some ability, and he has pitched well recently. So, um, you know, and it was a, a relatively cheap deal. Again, we talk about four-year, $56 million deals or whatever he signed for in the six, – maybe it was $60 million being cheap, and that's is really what it is at this point because the next guy that we're going to talk about, Scherzer, Mets, three years, $130 million. So John Gray's cheap. Max Scherzer at 37 years old is expensive, right? So three years, $130 million, um, that's a lot of money, right, for to be tied up in one guy. And we're starting to see these deals a little bit more often. We saw that with Trevor Bauer last year, the two-year $80 million deal that he signed. So crazy dollar amounts flying around. Mariners signed Robbie Ray, five years, $115 million. Um, and uh, then the Pirates ended up – in the last move that was made that we're going to talk about here was uh, the Pirates traded uh, Jacob Stallings to the Marlins. For Zach Thompson, Kyle Nicholas, and Connor Scott, so Jacob Stallings obviously bringing home a little bit of a of a of a haul in in terms of players. That's three players. Connor Scott was a first rounder two three years ago for the Marlins, and all of a sudden Jacob Stallings is being traded for him and two other prospects. So um, I, I'm the only reason why I'm saying that is because I never thought Jacob Stallings would become an everyday major league player, let alone commanding that kind of a deal, but. Anyway, a lot of action going on in the major leagues today. And Jake, want to just get your take on it? I know it's been crazy, uh, crazy last 48 hours in Major League Baseball with all these deals. Yeah, it has. And we still may see, you know, a couple more big moves, um, you know, early Tuesday morning, possibly. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's just crazy the amount of money being spent right now and the fact that we're going into a lockout because players are mad that they're not getting enough money and mad that owners aren't spending enough money. And yet here are players getting absurd contracts and, and owners giving out absurd amounts of money, but uh, good for the Rangers. You know, uh, I'm excited for that, that club, obviously not an, an, a national league club. Uh, so I can say that, but uh, the Rangers, you know, they've gone out, they've spent big money, you know, they're obviously looking to turn things around there. So good for them. I can't believe shirts are got, that much money at 37 years old, but it sounds like 
You know, he really wanted to play on the West Coast. The Mets really had to overpay to get him. Sound like the Dodgers and Angels really weren't even close <laughs> to what the Mets offered, but that's what it was going to take, you know, for him to, to accept that deal and not play where he probably really wanted to play. Uh, but that's just crazy at 37 years old. A guy has a lot of mileage on his arms. I'm really skeptical about how that's going to work out. Uh, then, yeah, the Pirates just continue to rebuild, you know, in, in the NL Central here. The Pirates just seem like they're never going to get out of out of this rebuild. I kind of uh, hate it for the fans over there. But trade away Jacob Stallings, you know, not a not a huge detriment really to the Pirates. Like you said, I'm kind of surprised that that he has become such a good player as he has to, you know, command a three prospect type deal. But still, you know, it is a, another step back for the Pirates, and it just seems like they're never going to get out of this rebuild. But just crazy. And I know a lot of people have been talking about with the frenzy of moves here that people like to see them, you know, give some sort of soft deadline, you know, every offseason so that there is this much movement and baseball is this active in the offseason because it's something like we've never seen before, and it's been really fun to watch. Yeah, without a doubt, that's definitely some good takes there on all the moves recently. Um, kind of a crazy off season so far. We'll just stay tuned to it. But before we go any further, we got to read uh, uh, Bet Online. Bet Online has your has you covered all season. More props, odds, and lines than ever before as football season continues the march to the playoffs. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use promo code LOCKEDON to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait. Take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021. Bet online is, your, is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the, the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows. You're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friend's login for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all your entertainment you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And that, and the best part, there's no annual contract. So get rid of your clutter and your confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more about DirecTV at DirecTV.com. That's DirecTV.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. So next, Jake, we're going to get into the positional preview again, positional review, and we're talking about the starting pitching group, right? This was a group that was absolutely dominant all year. I mean, it seemed like every single one of these guys, as good as some of them already were, uh, they took another step. And then as, as kind of average as some of the other guys were, or even below average, like Eric Lauer and, and Adrian Hauser, certainly in 2020, they all took a huge step. Um, and my goodness, the, what they have right now and for the next couple of years is something to be reckoned with, especially in the NL central. And this is the reason why the Brewers future in the next couple of years 
is present, I should say, present and future in the next, you know, coming up here in 2022. And then obviously in 2023, we'll have all these guys still under control. But just talking about Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, Freddie Peralta, Eric Lauer, and Adrian Hauser. I mean, these guys were absolutely impressive is the wrong word, right? I mean, you had Corbin Burns obviously win the Cy Young, completely dominant. You had Brandon Woodruff. Um, obviously was kind of like a, an anchor to this lineup. I mean, he was just so reliable all year long. I think uh, just a few starts there at the end where some things didn't go his way, but um, and he was so impressive in the playoffs as well, right? I mean, came in, gave the Brewers a chance to win that game four, coming in in relief after only a couple of days rest. So um, you're going to have both these guys back for next year. Uh, Freddie Peralta took a huge step forward. Um, the ability now to to command, not even just throw four pitches for, for strikes. I mean, he commands these pitches, he commands them for strikes and balls. And he just has refined all of the weapons. They've sharpened up. They're, they're coming out of the same window. They look the same out of the hand to hitters. Obviously, that changeup, in my opinion, is that last piece of the puzzle for him. And the curveball, I should say, as well. But it, it continues to sharpen up both those both those weapons and that's what they are. Um, he's just going to continue to improve. The fastball command has improved and obviously he's got that deception. He's never going to lose that. Hitters are going to always have a hard time to square up that fastball. So those are the three, that's the three headed monster that we talked about all year, Burns, Woodruff and Peralta. But then Eric Lauer was quietly one of the best pitchers in all of baseball this year. Um, 14th in the league in ERA. I mean, absolutely phenomenal. Um, he kind of sharpened up his repertoire with the fastball cutter combination. Um, he shortened up the arm action. Chris Hook really helped him as well, kind of take that next step. Adrian Hauser, same thing. He kind of learned to kind of stay within himself. Um, took a huge step forward, in my opinion. Um, so those five guys right there, I mean, just absolutely really, really good. Some dominant, obviously. Some just, I mean, absolutely just gave the Brewers a chance to win every single night when every single one of those guys towed the rubber. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's one of the youngest pitching staffs in all of baseball. Again, I talked about the team control. The future is looking very, very bright. When I say future, I'm talking about the next two seasons. Um, but I did want to get your take, Jake, on whether or not the Brewers – well, first of all, I did want to just kind of get your take on that starting pitching staff and also wanted to understand where you're at with what you think about adding that that sixth arm or who who may take the ball here for that sixth man in the rotation. Because I'm assuming, just like everyone else, that they'll continue to do what they did last year with that six-man rotation just to keep these guys fresh and healthy. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, you know, first of all, I still think this will continue to be one of the best starting rotations in all of baseball. Obviously, if healthy, the Mets have Scherzer and DeGrom at the top, and that is just, I mean, those are two of the best pitchers of the last, you know, 10 years um, and some of the best pitchers in the history of, of all of baseball. So, I mean, that's a pretty dominant one-two atop the rotation. But when you look one through five, I still think this is probably the best rotation in all of baseball. Now, do I think they will or should add another starter to the mix, I most certainly think they should. And, you know, it doesn't have to be anybody top dollar, but a middle to back of the rotation arm 
uh, especially if they want to continue to incorporate that six man rotation, which I think they would, but you know, it honestly just worked out so well for the Brewers in 2021 that they had so many pitchers that were pitching so well that allowed them to do that. You know, that might not be the case in 2022. And if so, um, you know, then maybe they have to go to a five band rotation or, you know, have somebody that's kind of an, an opener if they want to continue that. I, I mean, personally, I would like to see them go back to a five man rotation because I want to see more of Burns and, and Woodruff and Peralta. And I want to see them, you know, push up that workload um, as well. So I would like to see them go to a five man rotation. But either way, even if they stick with the five man rotation, I would like to see them get another arm. Um, you know, the Brewers had some bumps in the road with injuries, you know, to their pitchers throughout the season, but nothing significant. That's very rare. Um, you're likely, you know, you go into most seasons, you typically need seven, eight, nine starters to get through a year. So I would like to see them get another veteran arm, you know, nothing crazy, you know, maybe 8 million or less uh, to put in that rotation to eat some innings. And again, just kind of lengthen that depth. So I would like to see them do that for sure, whether or not they will. Uh, that is the big question, but I definitely, I definitely think they should add another arm, not necessarily that it's needed, that the staff's not good on its own, but just to provide some of that depth. Yeah. I mean, that's, um, I do, I do agree with that. I mean, look, Brett Anderson was quietly pretty solid last year. Um, and, and he was definitely valuable for the team. Uh, in the innings that he, when he was healthy, he was able to give them quality innings. So um, I do think that they may, they may consider an Aaron Ashby to take that six man in their rotation, but um, they don't have to, right? If they can go ahead and sign someone similar to Brett Anderson, not someone that's going to break the bank, but someone that can offer them quality innings and then obviously be a, a good veteran presence, um, you may see the Brewers do something of that nature. So that is what we are going to talk about next. The future of the Brewers at the starting pitching spot, right? So, I mean, we talked about how many years of control these guys have. Burns is under team control through 2024. That's three more seasons, along with Woodruff, same thing. Peralta, team control through 2026, as he did sign that very team-friendly deal a couple of years ago, a couple of off-seasons ago. Eric Lauer is under team control until 2024. Adrian Hauser under team control 2024. So it is interesting to think about, um, you know, if the new, whatever the new CBA looks like, how that is going to affect the arbitration. And if it is uh, going to affect arbitration, how, you know, are these, are these guys going to be making a boatload more money? Right. I've heard, I don't know if, that if it's at, it's going to come to fruition, but I've heard that maybe they might go to a system where they're going to pay guys based on their war. Um, in that case, um, Corbin Burns is going to be unaffordable, likely for the Brewers, and even uh, Brandon Woodruff, Freddie Peralta had a very high war as well. So we'll see what that all shakes out and what that looks like. If that is the case, the Brewers may have to, you know, pivot from their. Um, run prevention type of a um, idea of what they want to do because these guys will become very unaffordable very quickly. These guys are the best uh, pitching. These are the best starting pitchers in the game uh, as a group. Um, so looking towards the future, what the Brewers have in terms of prospects, I just talked about Aaron Ashby. 
he is ready this year. Obviously, he showed that he was ready. He had a, a very dominant, um, you know, about 30 innings there after his major league debut was kind of a debacle. He then rattled off like 30 innings, which was some of the best um, numbers in all of baseball for that time period. Um, and then obviously he, he didn't pitch great in the playoffs uh, and he did struggle a little bit on uh, his last couple of outings at the end of the season, but he, he definitely showed the ability to get outs at the major league level. And not only that be dominant at the major league level, I do think there's a starter in there. Uh, I don't think he's going to be a reliever long-term. I know there was a question about similar questions about um, Josh Hader, whether he's going to start or relieve. Obviously he answered those questions in terms of how good he is as a closer, but I do think Aaron Ashby is going to find his home in the starting rotation. I think that's where the Brewers are going to need him in the future in the starting rotation. Ethan Small, first-round draft pick in 2019 for the Brewers. Uh, he is probably going to be ready this year. Uh, he's spent some time in the Dominican, um, kind of getting some innings, getting those, getting that workload up, probably going to be ready this year to, to step into the rotation if they need somebody, or he can probably go multi-inning reliever in that role. I um, think he will be excellent in that role as well. The Brewers need him this year. Antoine Kelly, uh, he was a comp pick in 2019. Electric stuff, uh, David Price comp on this guy, Randy Johnson comp on this guy. I mean, this stuff is absolutely electric. Obviously, he was hurt but uh, this year, but he should come back and be fine. I've heard a lot of really good things about this kid. Uh, but, Jake, I wanted to get your take on that group of starting pitcher prospects for the Brewers. Yeah, I'm really excited about, you know, the, the the prospects in particular. You know, Antoine Kelly, somebody that I've been really high on. I think he has the most upside of all three of those prospects you just mentioned. Uh, I, I've always loved Ethan Small, as everybody on the podcast knows. I've been a big fan of his. I think he has a very high floor, meaning, you know, I think at the very least he's going to be a solid number four starter in the big leagues may touch a number two starter at times. Uh, I just think he, I think that much of him. And then, uh, you know, you're obviously very high on, on Aaron Ashby as am, am I, but you know, I've always been, you know, higher on the, the other two, but I think Ashby is going to be really good as well. So, I mean, that's very, three very solid prospects, but you mentioned the, the CBA thing and, and how the arbitration system is going to work. I think that's going to be, very interesting um, how that plays out because I think that could be very detrimental to, you know, middle to low market teams like the Brewers who, you know, really rely on being able to draft and develop these players and have them under, you know, favorable team control for years. And that's how they compete. And if that's taken away, I think that really hurts some of the mid and low market type teams who, like you said, I mean, if they really paid Burns off what, you know, his war is and what his actual, you know, value as far as production is, then uh, the Brewers and, and not a lot of other teams could afford them. And it's just going to help out the, the large market teams because you'll just have to trade them to the Yankees or the Dodgers or the Red Sox. So I don't think that's good for baseball. I hope that's not what they do. I think there will be some, some tweaks, some changes to it so that these players, you know, young players who – you know, are performing, you know, at all-star MVP Cy Young type levels somehow can get more compensation for that. But 
I, I'm just really worried about how that's going to go in negotiations. Cause I think that could really be detrimental to uh, the mid and lower market teams. Yeah, no, I agree with that hundred percent. And so we'll see how it all plays out. Uh, hopefully it gets done sooner than later. Um, and I'm sure we'll be talking about that a lot on this podcast going forward the rest of the off season, but uh, that'll do it for this episode of lockdown brewers. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Lockdown Brewers, and you can follow me at Vinny Rotino. Also, make sure you follow Jake at Shortstop Ball. Uh, also, make sure you subscribe to the Lockdown Brewers podcast wherever you get your podcasts, and we will talk to you next time. You are Locked On Brewers, your daily Milwaukee Brewers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.